Hare Hare Krishna Hare Krishna Hare 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 Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Rama Hare 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 Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Jaya Radha Kala Chanji Radha Kala Chanji Radha Hare Jaya Radha Kala Chanji Radha Kala Chanji Radha Hare Shri Namacharya Silaharidas Thakur Ki Jai.
All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories, all glories, all glories to Sri Guru and Sri Goranga. Oh, 
Divine Grace, Sila Esi Bhakti Vedanta Swami, Sila Prabhupada Ki Jai, Ananta Koti Vaishnavrinda Ki Jai, Sri Namacharya Sila Haridas Thakur Ki Jai, Pareyam Sekao Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nitananda Sri Advaita Gadadhar Shivasati Gaur Bhakti Vrinda Ki Jai, Sri Sri Radha Krishna Gopa Gopanath Shana Kunda Radha Kunda Giri Govardhan Ki Jai, Granta Raj Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai, Gaur Premanande. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories, all glories, all glories to Sri Guru and Sri Goranga. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. 
Namo Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prasthaya Bhutale Srimati Bhakti Vedanta Swami Niti Namani Namaste Saraswati Devi Gauravani Prachayane Nirvisesha Sunyavadi Pasyata Deshatarine Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya So, thank you all for coming. Today's class, what is the verse today? 10th Canto 24, verse 9. Tam tata vayam anyecha varmucham patim ishwaram dravyais tadretasha sidhair yajante kratubir Naraha Tam Tatavayam Anyecha Varmuchum Patim Ishwaram Dravaish Dravyais Tadreta Sasi Seed Hair Yajante Kratubir Naraha Tam tata vayamanyecha Varmucham patim ishwaram Dravyaista retasasidhair Yajante kratubir naraha Tam tata vayamanyecha Varmucham patim ishwaram Dravyaistad reta sasidhair Yajante kratubir naraha
Tam, him, Tata, my dear son, Vayam, we, Anye, others, Cha, also, Yachmucham, that's actually Yahamucham, of the clouds, Patim, the master, Ishwaram, the powerful controller, Dravyai, with various items, Tatretasa, by his liquid discharge, Sidhai, produced, Yajante, they worship, Kratubihi, by fire sacrifices, Naraha, men. Translation by uh, disciples of Srila Prabhupada. Not only we, my dear son, but also many other men worship him, the Lord and Master of the rain-giving clouds. We offer him grain and other paraphernalia of worship produced through his own discharge in the form of rain. So I say and you can say, not only we, my dear son, but also many other men worship him, the Lord and Master of the rain-giving clouds. We offer him grain and other paraphernalia of worship produced through his own discharge in the form of rain. Purport. Nanda Maharaj patiently tried to explain the facts of life to his young son, Sri Krishna. But in fact, Nanda and all the residents of Vrindavan would learn an astonishing lesson as he explained in, as, as explained in this chapter. Oma chakshur tasmai sri namaha. Sri Chaitanya Manobishtam Shtapi Tam Jena Bhutale Swayam Rupa Padakadam Bhaktarantiba Swapadantikam He Krishna Kruna Sindudina Bandu Jagatpate Gopesha Gopeka Kanta Radha Kanta Namostute Tapta Kanjana Rogorange Radha Brindavan Eshwari Prisha Banustate Devi Pranamami Hari Priye So uh, this is the, the chapter where uh, they're worshiping uh, Govardhan Hill. This is the, the beginning of the worship of Govardhan Hill. So uh, uh, what is happening is uh, the residents of Vrindavan are performing their normal, regular sacrifice to uh, Lord Indra. You see? So they're assembling the paraphernalia and they're preparing this big jagya for Lord Indra. And... Uh, Krishna, the little boy Krishna. At this time, he's probably, what, eight years old? Something like that, eight or nine years old. Uh, and he walks up and he starts to say, why are you doing this? What is this? And uh, his father, Nanda Maharaj, says, oh, my dear boy, 
we do this. We, we offer this uh, uh, jagya to Lord Indra. And he gives us the life-sustaining rains, you see. So uh, he, he, he will give us this wonderful liquid that we need. Uh, the rainy season comes in India. <clears throat> it's like a blessing after a, a long, hot summer. See, it's been very dry. In Govardhan, it gets uh, very, very dry. It's uh, one of the driest places I've ever been. You can, uh, uh, you can hang your cloth up to uh, after you've washed your cloth, and within just a couple of minutes—I mean, less than ten minutes—you know, it's it's dry. You know, it's just—it's like that. you have to drink lots of water every day when you go there. The residents of uh, Bhaktivedanta Ashram, they will give you this big thing of water, a uh, big jug, and they tell you. We have a well on our property, too, and, uh, and also water fil filtration. And they tell you, drink at least two of these a day, you see, because the water is coming out of you faster than you know. You, know, you, you, you rarely <clears throat> notice any sweat in Govardhan. You know, maybe just a little bit, but it goes away. See. I mean, you've got to really work out to get some sweat, but then if you pause for just a little bit, it's just, it evaporates. So it's a very dry place <clears throat> and can get very, very warm. <clears throat> and the rest of the year, uh, other than the rainy season, it's not very, uh, there's practically speaking no rain, maybe a freak rain once in a while. Once in a while you may see a, a rain, but it's just a, a very quick. Very, very quick, sprinkle kind of thing, but practically speaking, no rain. So um, the residents of Vrindavan, they're uh, uh, very eager for the rainy season to come because this is going to sustain them. This will fill up the reservoirs, you see. It'll water the crops. Even though it only rains during the rainy season, it never really looks completely deserty, even though it's, it doesn't rain the rest of the year. It always looks, especially uh, I've noticed around uh, Govardhan, there's always a, there's green. There's enough green that, you know, it doesn't look like it's just completely dried up. So everything is sustained for uh, a year, for the whole, all through autumn, winter, and summer by these rains that are going to come, you see. So uh, this is very important. So, uh, uh, why is Krishna, uh, why is he making this question, you see? Why is he questioning? Why are you offering this offering to, the, uh, to Lord Indra? You see? He knows that, as he says in Bhagavad Gita, later, later on in Bhagavad Gita, he says to uh, Arjuna, Bhoktaram Jagyatapasyam, Bhoktaram Jagyatapasyam, I am the recipient of all uh, sacrifices and tapasya. I'm the recipient. Bhokta Ram Jagyatapasyam. Sarva Loka Maheshwaram. I'm, the, I'm the, uh, the supreme controller of all the planets and all the demigods and residents therein. Shridam Sarva Bhutanam. I'm the best friend of all living entities. Gatvamam Shantam Richati. 
knowing this, one escapes the pangs of material existence. So Krishna says, just knowing this. So this is important for us to remember. You know, we read Bhagavad Gita and years go by and we read it and we read, but sometimes we don't actually get a realization, you see. And then we find ourselves suffering later on. We're feeling some pang of material existence. <clears throat> so uh, if we're actually feeling some pains, uh, Prabhupada uses the word pang, P-A-N-G, which is like a stab in the heart. So if we're feeling that, then have we actually, do we actually know that? Krishna says, knowing this, knowing that I'm the recipient of all uh, sacrifices and austerities, I'm the recipient. You may offer it to Lord Shiva, but it comes in, ultimately it reaches my desk. The buck stops here, you see. If Lord Shiva or Lord Indra is going to give you something, it's got to come from me. You see, well, I'm, I'm the Lord and master of the universe. I'm the Lord and master of all the planets, the demigods, and all the inhabitants. And I'm the best friend of all living entities. So if you know this, Krishna says, then you escape the pangs of material existence. So uh, when we're suffering, uh, is Krishna wrong? Was he wrong? Or have we just kind of lost sight? Have we stopped knowing it? You know, how can we stop knowing it? We hear it. We file it away in our memory. Now we know it. But then the material energy starts to work, you see. The material energy is working uh, from this side. The material energy is working from this side. Uh, the material energy is telling us this is true this is true you see all these other truths from the material energy because we've taken our head away from uh, studying of the scriptures now we're we're hearing other things you see we're hearing we're always hearing but we're hearing something else I'm hearing uh, you know some uh, rock and roll or I'm hearing some uh, television or some, something mundane. I'm hearing that. And so now that becomes my new truth. I mean, it's not intentionally. It just works that way. You see? It fills up in our, uh, in our, our brain mass. Our brain mass uh, will accept it and file it away. Even if the at the time you may be thinking, oh, this is rubbish. If you put enough rubbish in, and it, that's all you have in your mind. You see? Uh, I remember Burijan Prabhu back in the 70s. We were at Gita Nagari, and he was talking. He was saying, and if you keep doing this, people normally do this. They, every day they put garbage in their head. They start out their morning by uh, sitting down with their cup of coffee and, and perhaps some sort of something to smoke and their newspaper, you know, and maybe... Uh, if, the, if not the newspaper, they turn on the news. Or maybe they're reading the newspaper and, and they're listening to the news in the background, you see. They turn on the radio. On their way to work, they turn on the radio and they hear some, some nice jive kind of music or you know, some sort of uh, uh, 
more news. So this, all this keeps coming in your head. You're putting garbage. So if you're putting garbage in your head, sooner or later, the garbage is going to start to come out of your mouth. You see? So you start to speak this. You know, you can meet some devotee sometime and you say, Oh, Hare Krishna Prabhu, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. How are you? Good to see you. Did you know that George Bush blew up the World Trade Center? And did you know that they start all this garbage coming out? I'm thinking, what do I care if George Bush blew up the World Trade Center, you know? What do I care? What is that? Yeah, it, knowing that, is that going to save me from anything? Even if I could know that, you know? Well, but there's a conspiracy here and a conspiracy there. I'm sure there is. The world's full of conspiracy. It always has been. It will continue. So, knowing that, Will that save me from the pangs of material existence? You see? Which is kind of a, a weapon you can use when someone starts to talk, you know, God brother or God sister starts talking nonsense. You can just say, oh, will knowing what you're going to say save me from the pangs of material existence? And just, you know, get their answer, you know. If they say yes, and it's some kind of nonsense, well, then they're just nonsense, you see. Now, there are times when it's necessary. If you're in business, you might have to talk about, you know, something in the stock market or whatever, you know, something. You may have to have some discussion. There may be a time in the exec execution of your uh, daily activities. But if we uh, will diminish these things, if we work on this, reduce this, these activities that take us away from our spiritual activities. See, that's the purpose of, of, our, of our human life. Uh, we want to reduce it. Uh, many people, uh, I was going to say in America, but all over, they feel like their duty is to increase these things. They want to increase these activities. You see. And it, it started out, uh, I remember <clears throat> Back in the 60s, we started to, to produce uh, so many um, new appliances, new things for the home. Um, microwaves became, I think they were invented then. And, uh, I worked for a company that was making new hand mixers and new cookers and new things. And the reason they wanted you to buy this is because <clears throat> uh, this will give you more leisure time. See, if you have my product, you'll have more leisure time. Leisure time was defined by being able to sit down. You work hard all day, and you come home. If you use my product, then you'll have time to sit down with your feet up and watch television or just sit on the porch and rock or whatever you'd like to do, you see. So for many, many years... Uh, so many products have been invented and uh, shoved in our face for us to buy. Computers were supposed to give us more leisure time. You see, computers are going to make our work faster. So if you've got eight hours of work, now you, you, now you have a computer. Oh, it's going to only take you three hours. So life is going to be better. But we find that that's not the truth. 
we don't have any more leisure time. As a matter of fact, people have less leisure time than ever. You know, those of us that are old enough to remember the 50s, before the, uh, everything, all the technology started to really happen, there was more leisure time. People had more time together. Families sat down and ate together, you see. Um, somebody had to slave over a hot stove to produce a meal. You know, there weren't, uh, I don't know, Chuck, were there any drive throughs in the 50s? You know, practically no. Yeah, you might find one here and there, but it wasn't the rage, you see. People didn't do drive through fast foods. McDonald's was just getting started, and uh, they were doing a, a pretty good business, but it wasn't like everybody in town had to eat McDonald's, you know. You know, there wasn't so much. Uh, basically, people slaved over a hot stove. Either that or you took a TV dinner out, and those weren't that popular. TV dinners got a little popular, and then they tapered off, and, and people made fun of them. Like, what kind of a fool would eat a TV dinner? You know, so for a long time, it was considered very foolish, and idiotic, if you didn't cook a meal. Like, what kind of fool doesn't cook, cook, their, cook a meal? I mean, that was kind of like part of living is you, you have to have a place to sleep. You don't have to have a roof over your head. You know, you have to have a place to bathe. What kind of a fool doesn't bathe? You know, well, what kind of a fool doesn't cook? You got to eat, you know. Nobody just slept in the yard. They had a place to sleep. So they were looking after these eating, sleeping, mating, and defending, you see. So uh, cooking for uh, thousands, tens of thousands of years was, was accepted as this is what you do. This, this is, you know, it was, a, it was a given. Nobody ever challenged it. So along comes the new uh, revolution, uh, techno technological revolution that started. <clears throat> the moonshot, uh, the supposed journey to the moon was supposed to give us all this new technology, which it did, you see, which is the reason why they... Uh, pull the scam anyway so that they could get the money to develop all this new technology. But at the time, people had no need. There was no need. If you went up to someone and said, hey, my dear sir, how would you like to have a, a telephone that you could carry with you in your pocket? People would say, well, what do I need with that? I've got a telephone at home. I've even got an extension and I have one in my bedroom right beside the bed. I mean, how much more phone do you want? I mean, it would have been stupid, you know, just like, what? So there, there wasn't a need. So up until a certain point in our history, there was this rule that we, we've, we used to live by, business used to live by. Uh, necessity is the mother of invention. And that was true for so many, many, many centuries, thousands of years. And then it got to the point to where the Vaishas got so greedy that they decided to break that rule. You don't need it. You don't even want it. You've never even had a concept. But I'm going to show it to you, and you'll buy it. 
you'll have a perceived need. Just by seeing it, you'll think, oh, I'm going to have that, you see. So we're, we're being uh, led. Like, uh, you know, they have, you have some giant bull, big bull, and he has a ring in his nose. A bull may weigh 2,000 pounds or whatever, you know. And he's incredibly powerful. He could run through a wall, you know, pull a stump out of the ground. But you get him a hold of that, you get a hold of that ring in his nose and he becomes your pet. He'll do anything. You see, you have control. So it's like that. Uh, the consumers of the world now are under the control of the vicious. And they're showing, you know, you need this, you need this, you, you need, you, here is this, and as soon as you see it, uh, I see these things on the internet, they come across uh, Facebook, I saw this thing on Facebook about uh, uh, a, a new phone that's made, it's, it's, it's a phone that wraps around your wrist, Okay. And it's, this, it's got a screen, you know, like phones have a screen. Well, this one is flexible, so you can bend it, and you can wrap it around your, your wrist, and it, 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 it's meant to be worn like a bracelet, you see. And you can unfold it, flatten it out, and it's got all this thing, and you've got a keyboard that you can pull out and do a typing, and you see. Now, don't we need one of those? <laughs> you know? So, uh, Sony is introducing it. So, and so many other gadgets that they're coming out with that we, we have no need for. There's no need. But we'll get, through our lust, we'll get a perceived need. And, of course, I'm going to want one before you get it. You know, I want one... I want it before you and you. That way I can walk around and, sit and, you'll, and I'll be like this. <laughs> and you'll say, hey, what's that on your arm? Oh, why, that's my phone. You don't have one, I see. Hmm. You see? Yeah. yeah. So I'll have one and you won't have one. So uh, it's like that. So you notice when they introduce something new, uh, like the HD TVs or the whatever, you know, some new concept. The first ones are always very expensive. Very expensive. We all know. We know. I mean, if there's anybody in America that doesn't know that the price is going to come down, then they've been living under a rock, you know. Even up in Alaska, they know that. So we all know that. But yet, fools go out and start to buy these things. They're paying three, four, five times the price that they will pay if they would just wait. But they go out and they buy it. So what happens is the first fools that go out and grab this new technology, they pay for the research and development, <clears throat> and then the cost goes down to other people who either were smart enough or too poor to afford it. Now, they, now they've got it too. Uh, I remember I, I, I spent a long time in India, and uh, I came back one time, and I uh, had to go to Walmart, and I went to Walmart, and I was walking through the electronics department. And in the time that I'd been in India, all the television had changed. Now there were nothing but these flat screen 
skinny, narrow televisions, you know. There were none of the, you know, the ones that you had the deep back. Those were all gone. I mean, Walmart, they're not exactly a leader in technology, are they? Where's Walmart? This is like the neighborhood store. This is where everybody goes. And everything had changed. And I thought, wow. When I left, there was just a few of those here and there. You know, the price tag was really high. And now you, you can't find you can't find anything but, but that. So it's, you know, it's become, everybody's got to have it. So what was wrong with the, the old, what, what happened to all those? The people throw them in, are they in landfills, all those big TVs now? You know, some, somebody's going to find one 30 years from now in, in a garage or an attic and get a lot of money for it because it's going to be so weird. You know, everything's going to be all modernized, you know, so, but um, all of these things are supposed to make our life easier. All of these things are supposed to remove the pangs of material existence. That's what we're being sold. That's what we're being sold and that's what we're being told. That if you'll buy my product, it'll make your life better. It'll take away some trouble. It'll help you overcome the miseries, the threefold miseries. If you'll have this product, if you'll do this, you see. So Lord Krishna is pointing out, uh, and it's, I won't get too deep because the story's going to develop, uh, but he's pointing out, and he, and he will show them to Nanda Maharaj, as Prabhupada says, um, Nanda Maharaj and all the residents of Vrindavan are about to learn an astonishing les uh, lesson explained by Lord Krishna. And the lesson is, Bhokturam Jagyatapasyam. I'm the recipient of your offerings. You know, not, not Lord Indra. See, not Lord Shiva. I am the recipient. It's me. You know, anything else is a distraction. It's a deviation. Anything else. You see. Now we always have caveats. Oh, yeah, but I have to. Well, okay, if you feel you have to be distracted by this, then off you go. Go be distracted. You see? But the message that Krishna is giving us all through Bhagavad Gita, Krishna keeps saying, again, what, is the, what does he keep saying again and again through Bhagavad Gita? What does he want you to do? Huh? Surrender. I mean, it's almost every page. Surrender to me. Surrender to me. Surrender to me. Surrender. For those who surrender to me, if you surrender to me, all you have to do is surrender to me. Give up all forms of religion and surrender to me. You see? I mean, <laughs> it seems like Krishna is so supremely patient with us. You know? It's like having a child that's a little slow. And you have to repeat it every day. Every day, don't do that. Don't do that. Or make sure you do this. Brush your teeth. You know, wash behind your ears, whatever, you know. Your parent has to be so patient as if the child is like uh, a little retarded or something. So Krishna is like that with us, is it because we are. We're a little, we're, we are retarded. We become retarded by the material energy. 
So Krishna is so kind that he repeats it again and again and again. Surrender to me. Surrender to me. Oh, okay. I, I, my dear Lord, I surrender to you. But, oh, but that's really nice over there. But, uh, hold that thought, Krishna. You know, we're in the middle of surrender here. So hold that thought. Uh, I'm going to go over here and visit this part of the material energy because it's very attractive. I think perhaps I can have some enjoyment if I go experience this. So here we are in the middle of surrender, Krishna, so just hang on to that thought, you know. So I'll get back to you. you know, call me. You see. So we go through a, a, a lifetime of kind of putting Krishna on hold. You know, I want to surrender. And, I, and, and, and you know, gee whiz, Krishna, I've surrendered a lot. You know, have you ever thought like this? Well, you know, come on, Krishna, I've, I have surrendered a lot now. Now, that's, not, that's a way of saying that I haven't surrendered. I mean, either you have or you haven't. Of course, you could argue, well, I have some. I have. I really have. You know, and we have some. But when, um, uh, when General Lee went to see General Grant, to talk terms of surrender? What if General Lee had said, all right, I'm going to surrender some, you know, I mean, a lot. Well, Grant's going to say, hey, look, I'm going to get my army, you know, and we're going to go down south and we're going to clear out everything and turn it into a parking lot, put paint lines on it, you know. Okay, I'll surrender a little bit more. You don't, you're not hearing me, you know. My army's revved up and ready to go. I want surrender. If we had dropped, uh, uh, what did we drop, three atomic weapons, or was it two? On two. On, on uh, Japan. It's two. So, yeah, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. So, uh, if the Japanese had said, well, we're going to surrender, some. No, no, no. We have more bombs. Okay, we're sur we'll surrender a lot. No, you're not hearing me. We're going to turn your country into a crater. You see? <laughs> so why do we do it with Krishna? You know, why is it we do it a little? We, we're feeding him a spoonful at a time of surrender, just a little bit. And it's natural we do that because we are uh, attached. We're, we're not fully convinced. You see, I'm 60% um, convinced, so I'm surrendering 60%. But I still have 40% faith in the material energy. You know, maybe even I'm 80% surrendered. I have 80% faith. I'm still reserving 20% faith in the material energy. I mean, for, for billions of lifetimes, this material energy has been pretty good to me. Hasn't it? No, it really hasn't. But, I'm, I'm, it, but it's going to happen. I wonder who that is. Yeah, 
material energy. So I'm going to surrender, you know. Please trust me, I will. Uh, and here, I'll give you a little bit more, maybe 90%. Is that enough, Krishna? Is that going to take me back to Godhead if I give you... How about 95, all right? I just want to keep 5% for myself, for the material energy. Keep it away from you. So, we're, we, we're kind of like that. We have what's called, in the beginning uh, of our Krishna consciousness, many times... We have, uh, we have faith, and the faith grows to the point where we, practically speaking, have full faith. And then we get a little bit laxed. This has happened to many of us. I know it happened to me, you see. And the faith, once, be, once again, becomes mixed. Faith in Krishna, faith in material energy. Faith in Krishna, faith in material energy, you see. So... And we try to have Krishna like maybe an every other day Krishna. You know, okay, today's, today's my Krishna day. Tomorrow is my Maya day. You know, I'm going to have maybe a tiny bit of Krishna, but I'm really going to go jump into the material energy. I'm going to go splat, make a big splash. I'm going to dive into it. You see? So, um, Krishna is so kind that he's patient with us. And if we stick to the process, if we stay in Krishna consciousness, we overcome that. We, we get full faith in Krishna. If we're fortunate, we get to the point where we realize there is absolutely nothing other than Krishna. There's no enjoyment. There's nothing for me to invest my faith in. It's ridiculous. It's like, uh, what is it they call sandcastles? You can build a sandcastle Sometimes you see pictures of sandcastles that are really fantastic, you know. I mean, they're, they, they, I think they even have, in some countries, they have these big uh, festivals where they build sandcastles, you know. So while the tide is out, when the tide comes in, they're just wiped away, they're gone. You know, even the wind can, can take them away. So we have our faith in the material energy. It's like having faith in a sandcastle. It'll always let us down. But we always feel when we're in the material, materially uh, uh, afflicted condition, we always feel that, but I, I almost made it. Yeah, the material energy let me down, but I was almost there. So I need to try it again. You know, because this enjoyment that I'm looking for, it's really just around the corner. It's not that far. You know, I know it's there. So I'm going to try again. And you can say, yeah, but you've been smashed and smashed and smashed. I know, but I almost got it. You see. So uh, sometimes we have to lose our faith in the material energy to gain faith in Krishna. It should be that we just have faith in Krishna that will destroy the material energy. But sometimes we just have to be kicked by maya. You know, we, we're, we're kicked enough, and we say, okay, that's it. I'm tired of this. There is nothing other, uh, nothing but Krishna, you see. And then you start to actually see Krishna. You actually see his beauty and see how he's far more uh, enjoyable 
desirable than the material energy, you see. It should be the other way around. If we weren't so deep-rooted in material consciousness, it would be the other way around. We would see Krishna and immediately we'd forget. As soon as you come before the deity, as soon as you chant the holy name, take prasadam, associate with devotees, and hear Srimad Bhagavatam and Bhagavad Gita, you see, immediately you would lose uh, attachment to the material energy. Logically, you would think it would work that way. But we're so, it's so deep-rooted in us. We've been so stubborn for so long that we try to squeeze. It's like trying to uh, squeeze water out of a rock. You know, if you're in the desert and you have a rock and you're squeezing it and you're thinking, somebody says, but you fool, there's no water in that rock. You're thinking, ah, but I'm going to squeeze it real hard. One more time, maybe I'll get a drop or two. And that'll be worth all of this, being out here trying to squeeze some water out of this rock. You see. So we, we do this with the material energy. We try and we try to get something out of it. You see. We'll cast our faith in this direction. We'll cast our faith in that direction. You see. Uh, I'll, I'll go to school. I'll get a really good education. And that'll get me a really good job. And with all this, uh, this gun, all this knowledge that I have, the material energy, I'll have lots of money. And this will open up all the doors that I've been waiting for. I'll have so much money I can afford wonderful cars, beautiful cars, you know, fast cars, and big palatial houses great yard you'll be envious of my yard you know and nice toys I'll have all kinds of adult toys boats and motorcycles and I'll have it all and then I'll feel great if I have my yacht don't you think I'll be happy when I have my yacht and I'm I'm out in the bay sipping on the beverage of my choice in the sun out there you say, I'll be happy if I get that. Yeah, it'll last maybe five or ten minutes. Maybe even, what if it lasts five or ten days? Huh? Yeah, unheard of. But what if it did? What if it lasted a month? For a month, you have really great enjoyment. But it doesn't work that way. We realize very soon that I have all this, and this is good, but it's not great, so I need more. You know, I don't have a phone that wraps around my wrist. You know, I saw some other guy that has one, and I got to have one of those. And if I did, you know, that'd get me another step closer to enjoying the material energy. So we have faith in the material energy. Now, some people would say, no, I don't have. Yes, you do. You have faith. You're worshiping material energy. You have faith. Stronger faith than perhaps we might have from time to time in Lord Krishna and the Guru and this process of Krishna consciousness. Because, people say, how can you say that? Because we take our time away from 
our sadhana, association, hearing, chanting, huh? associating with devotees. We take our time and we put it over here in some mundane activity. Now you got to have some faith. If we really, really think that Krishna consciousness is great, but yet I'm going to dabble in some, some mundane activity, we still have faith in that, that that will give us some return. We still believe it. <clears throat> and we have to get to the point where we don't uh, believe that anymore. We have to get to the, uh, to the point of when we see people that are striving to squeeze some water out of the rock, that we just laugh. But, you know, not that we make fun of them, but we, it, it, we think, oh, you're so unfortunate. You are so unfortunate. So then, uh, how do we tell them that this is foolish? How do you do that? You quote scripture. You have to tell them. We have to follow in the footsteps of the previous acharyas. And we tell them. Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita this. Krishna says that. Sometimes they'll even argue with you. Yeah, well, yeah. But... Uh, well, do you have faith in the scripture? Do you have faith in God? Well, yeah. You ever have somebody say that like that? They'll say, well, yeah. So in other words, you're saying, some. <laughs> Sometimes when we're preaching in these uh, yoga studios, we find people that'll say like that. You say, do you have faith in God? Do you, do you have any faith in God? Well, yeah. It's not like, you bet I do. Well, yeah. So, some, you know, because I have so much other faith. You know, my faith can only be spread so thin. I mean, I've got all this other stuff. Eating, sleeping, mating, and defending. You know, if I had, uh, I mean, the wrong thing, sometimes... Uh, people have the feeling the thing that's wrong in my, life, uh, in my life right now is my relationship. I need to get a new partner. You know, I need a new uh, sex partner. And, if, uh, and I have one in mind. And if, if she'll go with me and I can get rid of the one I have, then boy, then I'm going to have all my material life is going to be taken care of. And then I can invest time in Krishna. Or if I take care of my education then I'll have all, I can devote all of my, after I do that, I'll devote my time to uh, getting the education. Then I can devote my time to Krishna. It's always Krishna's getting this uh, uh, post-dated check. You know, then it's my career. Well, if I can devote time to my career, then I'll get the happiness that I'll need and the security that I'll need. Then I can go to Krishna. You see. But, doesn't the happiness and security come from the supreme personality of Godhead to begin with? Isn't it he from which everything emanates? Isn't it? Everything comes from him. Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe. Yeah, so I don't have faith that everything comes from God. I do have faith that I can produce it. I have faith. 
I'm going to spend mega thousands of dollars on an, on an education of a bunch of rubbish knowledge. How can you say it's that? I'm going to be a computer scientist. And that's going to take you how close to Goloka Vrindavan? You know, how many steps towards Godhead will that take you? You see, I'm not saying nobody should ever go to school for any reason. But many, many times in, in Srila Prabhupada's uh, teachings, speaking his spoken classes and his writings, he said it was rubbish. You see, he didn't have very good things to say about it. Still, we do it. But, because we have faith in it. We have faith. You see, Krishna will do, he will give us uh, everything. He will. Huh? He already does. Exactly. Exactly. It's already, already coming from Krishna. Everything always has come from Krishna. Whatever delight uh, that we think we're getting from the material energy came from Krishna. The material energy came from Krishna. So, uh, where should we go if we want pleasure, if we want delight, if we want security? Who could be more secure for us than Krishna? Even more secure than having a really good job. Lots of money, big bank account. You see, if you've got Krishna, if you have Krishna, then you've got everything. And we can have Krishna. See, at, at that point, some people argue, oh, wait a minute, you're talking about having God. Who can have God? Well, Krishna says, for those who, who worship me with love and devotion, it is as if they have purchased me. If you offer Krishna loving devotional service, pure loving devotional service, you own him. He becomes yours. He's yours. And yours, and yours, and everybody's. We can all own Krishna individually. You see? So if you own the Supreme Personality of Godhead, what on earth do you have to worry about? You don't have any worries. We have Krishna. It's like the story of Dhruva Maharaj. You know, Dhruva Maharaj was meditating. Does anybody know what Dhruva Maharaj was chanting when he was in the forest? Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Again and again and again. For how long? No. Six months. Yeah. And, and, and then he felt the presence of somebody there. He's got his eyes closed and he's chanting, Om Namo Bhagavati Vasudevaya. And he opened his eyes and there's Krishna. And he said, My dear boy, you've pleased me very much. And I'm willing to give you any, any boon, anything you want. So when he went to the forest, what did Dhruva Maharaj want? He wanted, he wanted yeah, he wanted, the, he wanted the, a kingdom greater than his father, greater than the world. He wanted riches, fame, 
power, you see. He wanted, I mean, he had the biggest lusty desires of all time. I mean, he really had some material desires. Yeah, I mean, he had, uh, he was covered up in false ego. I want to be better and bigger and more powerful. But when he saw Krishna, Krishna standing there, I'll give you anything. So what did he say? What did he tell Krishna that he wanted? Yeah. My dear Lord, I want you. Now that's intelligence. If you can have anything, you say, I want, I want Krishna. I want him. You see, the source of everything. So, uh, that's the gist of where we're going in this chapter. Uh, Krishna is trying to slowly let his father and the inhabitants of Vrindavan know that you should put your faith in me. You should offer everything to me. It's going to wind up at my feet anyway. You see. You can, you can offer some worship to the demigods, but they can't keep it. They have to pass it on to me. They can't grant you what you want. The rains can't come from Lord Indra without my approval. He's got to get the rains from me. You see, so Krishna's saying, put me topmost in your, in your life. So, uh, any comments or questions before we wrap it up? Yeah, Chuck Prabhu? fully understand Krishna's true nature. You know, they didn't know Krishna was God. Uh, he, he didn't want them to know. Yeah. They didn't need to know that. It was going to wreck the relationship if they all of a sudden thought, oh, you're God? You know, how can Mother Yashoda spank him if she's thinking he's God or tie him up or whatever, you know? It would have ruined the relationship with uh, the gopis, you see, with Nanda Maharaj. So Krishna didn't allow that. You know, and any time somebody kind of found out that he must be, he might be God, he would confuse them, you know, and get them to forget it. So, you know, if we're going to have a pure loving relationship, with Krishna, then we have to, uh, when we go to Goloka Vrindavan, when we go back home, back to Godhead, the place that Prabhupada's speaking about is Goloka Vrindavan, back to Godhead. In that place, Krishna's not thought of as God. You see, Krishna is God, but the, uh, the gopis don't, they don't see him as God. In Goloka Vrindavan, there is no need for God. They have Krishna. And Krishna is just wonderful. 
He's all attractive. He's everything. You see, when you have Krishna, there's no desire for God. Krishna, the love, the loving relationships that you can share with Krishna supersede and, and, and dwarf anything that you can get from God. You see? When you start to get this concept of Krishna and you, you uh, think about it for, for years, then when somebody starts talking about God, you think, oh, you're talking about like uh, somebody further down the chain. You see? Isn't it like that? When someone says God, they start talk of God like they have great respect. And they do. But we think of Krishna. I mean, he's a lot higher than God. You see, you know, that word God is just a, uh, it's a, a position. You know, it's like president. You know, it's God. Yeah. No loving relationship. How do you love it? How do you love somebody that doesn't even have a name? Or has a, has a name? but you don't know what it is. Or even sometimes people know what it is, but they never pronounce it, you know. Uh, not, you know what is it? Uh, Yahweh is pronounced Jehovah. Well, there is no such word as Jehovah. It's Yahweh. And that's the only name, I think, isn't it? Am I correct? That, huh? Are there? Yeah, I didn't know. It's God, yeah. 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 So, and there's just little to no information about him, about the Father. Isn't it like that, though, when you start thinking about Krishna, then somebody starts talking about God? It seems like, well, you're talking like, that's like talking about a vice president, you know, or somebody lower, <laughs> you know. Well, it works that way, you know. Yeah, very impersonal. Yeah. You know, doesn't he have... Uh, it's like uh, Jehovah is a mispronunciation of Yahweh, you know. 
It's like if we were pronouncing uh, Krishna, if we were saying instead of Krishna, we were saying Kratzu, something like that, you know. Well, who are you talking about? Well, I'm talking about Kratzu. Well, who is that? Well, that's him. No, no, his name is Krishna. You see. But we Westerners have trouble with other languages, and other people have trouble with our language. There's there's trouble between languages, pronouncing languages sometimes, you know. So, um, okay. Anything else? Comments? Yes, Mother Linda. Yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah, the following the carrot, uh, that's the most, uh, I, I use that so many times to describe, it's just like we were talking about technology, you know. Uh, Little by little, if you look back, the way, I mean, I'm thinking about, for instance, just telephones, you know, uh, cell phones. Uh, the, the first one was like, they called it a brick. Remember the bricks? Those big old things like, like this, they were heavy. That was the first one. That was the first one I saw. Yeah. I saw this rich realtor, Matranath and I were working with this rich realtor in Highland Park, and she had a, a, a telephone in her briefcase, and we were, we thought, wow, that's just incredible, you know. And then after that, uh, car phones got popular. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the whole thing, it was a huge undertaking to have a car phone. Now, we never had a need for them before, but once they came available, you know, first of all, like everything else, the rich people had them first. They were very expensive in the beginning, very expensive. Big, clunky, and expensive. But you could talk to somebody while driving down the freeway. You could talk on your phone. And, uh, and so if you ever saw anybody that had that little antenna on their car, it was usually like a Cadillac or you know, a nice Oldsmobile or something like that, Lincoln. You know, you didn't see very many Chevys in the beginning that had the little antenna on their car. So it was a real status symbol to have an antenna. That meant you've got a phone. You must be rich. Yeah. As a matter of fact, there was a some... Uh, some novelty people who were selling these little stick-on antennas. So you could put it on your back window to look like you had a phone. Yeah. So <laughs> that got, you know, and then we got, then we had the brick phone and then they got smaller and then the flip phones and, you know, and now we've got, then they got small. Remember there for a while they were getting telephones that uh, were getting tinier and tinier and tinier? And then they got a screen, so now the sc screen gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Now the phones are getting bigger, 
We're just following the carrot. We're being led. <laughs> we see it and we think, I must have it. It's so unfortunate, you know. Uh, is it taking us to uh, Goloka Vrindavan? Is it helping? If you can use it in Krishna's service, truly use it in Krishna's service, then it's very good. Then embrace it. If it'll take you to Goloka Vrindavan, if it'll take you to the uh, service of Krishna, oh, then whatever the price, you should have it. If you can. Yeah. Well, yeah, and not only that, but they ha they have the internet where they can uh, they can access the database. Yeah. So you can have pictures, Prabhupada's classes, you know, so much. Yeah, jump on it. That's the key. If we can use it, if it will take you closer to Goloka Vrindavan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, those are. Yeah. Yeah, I don't carry cash either, but I have this little machine. Give me your card, you know. Yeah, we all do. So whatever, whatever we can use uh, that will help us serve Krishna, then we embrace. It becomes, as a matter of fact, it's, it's actually nonsense. The, the phones and, and uh, the credit card, it's all nonsense. But if we use it in Krishna's service, then Prabhupada said it becomes Krishnaized. It's like the microphone he was talking, this microphone. When we use it for Krishna's service, it becomes Krishnaized. You see, it becomes spiritual. So the phone becomes spiritual. You see. So if we use it in Krishna's service. So. All right. What do you say we wrap it up? Thank you. All glories to Srila Prabhupada.